Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. to have personal responsibility, political accountability, and corporate culpability. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. We must eliminate poverty. I don't care what color the person or child I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning, Queen. Thank you for getting up this early Saturday morning with me. Say hello to all the truth seekers and reintroduce yourself for anybody that may be a first-time listener to the Mental Dialogue talk show. Thank you for being with me. Good morning. I am thrilled to be here. Um, I'm Latrice Ross. I'm a diversity and inclusion professional. Um, I really focus in a lot of my attention on gender inequities as well as racial inequities. Um, so this conversation is perfect for me. Um, as a matter of fact, um, we're having an ongoing conversation in a couple of groups that I'm a part of um, about this very same issue right now. So I'm really um, ready to dive in and unpack this topic. Uh, absolutely. And, let the, and to let the cat out the bag, as I always say, this morning's discussion question, how do we end the gender war in the black community Again, that question is, how do we end the gender war within the black community? And we always, in a sense, set up our topics in the form of a question, uh, take the perspective. Again, I go by the name Black Socrates, and it's kind of the Socratic method, and the concept is to kind of ask the right questions to see if we can, in a sense, get to the answers. And this particular question, uh, the way it's worded, if you will, it says, how to how do we end? So it's going to be, we're going to peel back and kind of get into the concept of what this gender war is or is not. Some people say that it doesn't exist within the community. So we will definitely in this first hour, if you will, Latrice, we'll kind of try to size up and say, okay, what is it? And before this show is over, hopefully we'll come up with a concept of things that we might can do 
to end it. So as many times as we have these discussions every Saturday, these talks, and some people say, well, this, all you do is talk. Well, I hope this will end up being, to a certain extent, some level of a solution-based discussion before the end of these two hours, and not one with an easy solution. So I'm not offering it as the, in saying that in the sense that I know we would have a solution, but I hope before the, but by the second hour we start getting into ideas for how to end it if there is one. Again, there are plenty of people who say it's manufactured, it's pushed in the media, and say that this is not something that is actually happening within the community, I'll say this, and I'll get your thoughts on it, Latrice. I'll say that that it's definitely loud on social media. It's definitely loud in TV on TV as far as things that we see depicted when it comes to specifically black love, if you will, or our relationships. And so it's loud. I kind of take the perspective that, to a certain extent, in a sense, if there's in a sense there's wars, right? There's two sides. So if it's the women against the men, the male against female, you know, however you want to look at it, I've all, I kind of take the perspective as loud as it is. To a certain extent, it's not as many people involved in it from a personal level as it's depicted, if you will. So I understand both sides when people say. Yes, it's, 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 it's prevailing, it's a big issue, and those who say nope, it's manufactured. I kind of see it from both ends, but I will still lean towards the, to this idea of nothing else. If it's not a major issue, it is definitely a growing issue. That's kind of where I stand. Where are your thoughts on if, in fact, there is one or is it manufactured? Is there things we can do to shut it down? Like, What's your perspective on if this gender war is a real thing or not, if you will, Queen? I think it's a real thing. I think that the participants, it may be a generational thing. I think that baby boomers are probably less likely to be participants in this gender war. I also think that there may be certain segments of the population of our population that may not even be aware of it because they're so busy just in the struggle to survive. Um, I will say this: if it's manufactured, then why are there so many people in our community who find it so difficult to find love when they're seeking black love specifically, um, and those challenges that come about when seeking black love? So I think that it's it's there. I think that it is definitely ever present on social media. It is, it's blaringly loud, um, and it is definitely growing, particularly um, Gen Xers, Gen the Millennials, and Gen Z. I think that you know the younger you are, the more um, more prevalent the this war will likely be. Yeah, again, as I've already said, I kind of definitely see it as a growing thing, and I hope for those who may feel that it is manufactured, I hope we get some of those opinions as well. And I will, but I will say there are aspects of it that are manufactured. Again, I don't think we can get into this discussion. And although you and I, in this sense, seem to agree that it is definitely a a growing issue, and again, maybe we can't size it up between between you and I of how big it really is or isn't but we definitely agree that it's a growing issue. Uh, I definitely, again, still understand some aspects of how it's manufactured, and I think when you say the younger generation, I think some aspects of what I would consider, and we'll get into this, the idea of things that are manufactured or how things depicted in the media and things of that nature, I think it absolutely affects how, to a certain extent, how the younger generation goes about 
their relationships because to a certain extent they can be, in my opinion, I think you may agree with this as we go forward, that there are things that they see consistently that may not be prevalent, but because it's shown via the media, shown via entertainment to a certain extent, then it kind of becomes how they see things, if you will. And so that's where I get, where in my opinion, I do get, I do, well, I'll, I'll say, well, I do agree with those who say this thing is manufactured. I think that happens so much that there are aspects that, again, people buy into things that may in fact not be reality when it comes to this quote-unquote gender war. So, again, that's again my little wrap-up. I didn't necessarily do our typical opening because I wanted to give a lot of backdrop. I think this we have to give backdrop in getting into this morning's discussion uh, because, again, before this show is over, hopefully people will call in, give their opinions, uh, about, you know, one, is it in existence, but ultimately, how do we end it? Again, this is a, a, a goal for what we both agree is an ongoing issue. We are at our first break, and so we'll go to a quick break when we come back from break, if you will, Latrice. Uh, definitely, as always, listen to the cut. Um, one of my former co-hosts, Sarah Lena, I have a cut from her, and she just gets into what I think are all aspects of this quote-unquote gender war that I think will give us a, be a great starting place. So just make sure we're paying attention to that cut. And after that, we'll open up the phone lines. We've got a lot of callers out there, and they'll hopefully give us their three cents on this morning's discussion. You are listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back where all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. All right, so there seems to be a battle of the sexes of some type going on between the black man and the black woman. Whenever there is something positive said about black men, there are always sisters that feel the need to try to challenge that by demonizing him. Whenever there is something positive said about black women, there are always brothers that feel the need to try to belittle and degrade the black woman the best way he can. And I think that we all need to accept the fact that both the black man and the black woman have been hurt, and we have all been conditioned to hate each other. And we can bash each other as much as we want to, but what is that really changing? I like to say we can cut the leaves off of the tree, but if the roots are still there, they're just going to keep growing back. So we can point fingers at each other and play the blame game as much as we want to all day, every day. But until we get to the root cause of all of this, until we acknowledge the system that has us hating each other in the first place, nothing is going to change, and we're never really going to advance as far as black man and black woman go. When you look at the propaganda that is being used, you can see the black families and black men and black women are usually always portrayed negatively. Black women are usually portrayed as loud and ratchet, promiscuous, insecure. They can't get along with other sisters. They always gossip and always fighting. They're baby mama with several different baby daddies. The black man is usually always portrayed as a deadbeat daddy. He's a criminal. He's gay. He's attracted to every other race of woman except for his own. He's abusive. He's unfaithful in relationships. 
And both the black man and the black woman are usually portrayed as materialistic and selfish. And what this does is it shows the rest of the world how they should see us. It also shows the rest. It also shows us how we should view each other and view ourselves. A young girl watching this is subconsciously going to believe that this is how she should behave. She's gonna think it's okay for her to be loud and ratchet. It's okay for her to not get along with other sisters. It's okay for her to be promiscuous. A young boy is gonna watch this. She's gonna think it's okay for me to be in a gang. It's okay for me to not take care of my children. It's okay for me to be gay. And it also subconsciously shows us how black love is supposed to be, how black relationships are supposed to be, which in the media basically always portrays black relationships in a negative way. There is a war on the black family structure, and it is affecting us. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, how do we end the gender war in the black community? As again, you hear a cut from one of our former co-hosts, future co-hosts, I should say guest co-hosts, Sarah Lena, giving her ideas about this ongoing or growing gender wars you and I agreed on Latrice that it is at least growing regardless of how much we see it as a problem but as I listen to the things that she's talking about how many shows have we done on those those different aspects that she was laying out and, and even the idea of uh, a couple of points that she made in reference to how black women are predict or or depicted and how black men are depicted. We've had specific shows on certain items to say, hey, some of these things are in fact not true. And we try to make get that clarity on this show. So when you think about how many things are propagated specifically in the media and via social media, that's where some people say there's a lot of this manufactured because the depictions are a lot of things that are not reality. They're stereotypes. And so people that say this thing, this this war, in a sense, is being manufactured. They they look to the, all of those, all of that, in a sense, negative propaganda to say, well, since these things are not true, would we even be in this back and forth dialogue, the blame game that seems to be prevalent in the gender war? So, so can you at least? And I'm not saying that you don't see it, but I just want to hear your thoughts on that some people kind of rely on that propaganda to say this is not a real thing, or they're fortunate enough in some cases. <laughs> to circle themselves with people who are showing black love. They have a relative circle that's not getting involved in these back and forth that you and I unfortunately agree we see happening way too often. Any thoughts on what Sarah Lena had to say, um, Latrice? Um, I see. I don't necessarily disagree with what she had to say, but I do think that, and I, and I honestly, I do think that this goes back to um, the Housing Act of 19-something, 1940-something, where jobs were moving to the suburbs and black people weren't, and they were put in housing projects, and black men weren't allowed there, so it began with the breakup of the black family. I honestly think that we now have generations of men and women who've never seen examples of healthy relationships, and as a result, they don't know how to engage in a healthy relationship. So, yes, there are stereotypes being perpetuated on in the media, on television, on radio, on social media that portray us in, incorrectly or inaccurately, but I still think even in spite of that, I think that because of our history in this country and how our black family structure came to be broken up, I think that these issues would still exist because 
many people, myself included, I didn't have examples of a healthy male-female relationship growing up. And so as I grew up and got married, my ex-husband didn't have examples of a healthy relationship. He did eventually when his mom married his stepdad, but prior to that, he didn't have examples. And so for many people in our community, more often than not, they didn't have that two-parent, less dysfunctional household that many others had the opportunity to grow up in. And so I think that in spite of those media portrayals, we would still be here to a certain extent. Fair enough. I'll offer this. We've got a caller that wants to get in, so we'll get them as well. But let me say this. I'll see what – I don't necessarily disagree with what you said outside outside of the cultural influence that media has, and we know at a very extremely young age on youth, typically younger than most people realize when you start getting into the psychology of how what the expectations are and things of this nature. And so, so while what you just talked about, I think is going to be a factor really for any group if you you know, come from a quote-unquote dysfunctional home, whether that's two parents or one parent, right? That can be an issue. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, in a sense, I wouldn't say that, you know, that that it, in a sense it wouldn't be a part, but for, in my opinion, to be such a prevalent part of the culture, how do you not think a lot of that is being driven? Because at least the way I heard Sarah Lena pointed out in that cut, she just said, you see these things, these depictions, and so it makes someone think, this is how I need to be. And I think that does happen, too. Where, and and, when I'm, and when I'm, from the standpoint of even, you know, I mean, like I always tell my age, there's no problem. I'm 46. But to a certain extent, the, the community as parents, whether single parent or two parents, you were, in a sense, sometimes fighting media culture or things that are being pushed on the community as a parent, you're pushing against, in a sense, these cultural stereotypes, these cultural values that are being perpetrated that are not who we are as a community. So as a parent having to fight against that influence, I'm saying that influence has unfortunately, in my opinion, reinforced why this war is growing. So as you you say, it would still be here. I'm not disagreeing with you. I don't know that it would be to the degree that, in my opinion, I may be wrong about this, but to the fact that we would need to be doing a show on it, in a sense, because I do think it's growing to the degree that it is hurting the continuing to harm the functionality of healthy black relationships. Any thoughts on that? And then we'll go to the caller. I don't disagree with that. I do think that it reinforces um, those things that they see in me, and we do not have enough positive reflections of us when it comes to black love on television. We don't have enough positive reflections, period, um, when it comes to the black community. So I don't disagree with that, but I I do believe that the problem would exist simply because of the systemic inequities that exist in our country and how it has impacted the black family. Yeah, and I, and I guess I would just include the media uh, depictions as some of that systemic stuff. I mean, what comes to my mind is, um, you know, just the idea of the Cosby Show, for example, and we we know there was a, a direct effect on the influence to go to college. So, you know, in a sense, if that amazing show could have that influence, so to always see inf- 
constantly, I should say always, and we and we do fight for that within media, the social, and and actually one thing that the internet does help is there are opportunities to go see uh, positive movies. People are putting together. Um, documentaries and movies that are not necessarily making it to the big screen where you're able to see positive images. I'm always encouraging parents to go seek out those, especially that black media that does want to show the full gamut of who we are. It's also the reason we get excited when we do get a big movie on the big screen that shows us as, as full characters and not the typical stereotypes. And again, I know you don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that ultimately I think it's playing a, a bigger role in while, while it started, as you say, in your opinion, with the um, Housing Act, I'm always bringing in the concept of mass incarceration and also keeping the fathers out of the home from the role that it plays. So while it started with those things, I think the growth of it is actually from a lot of the stereotypes because at that time when it was first starting, that wasn't who the community was, even though it was being depicted and propagated, whether through politics, whether through media, it wasn't a reality. Unfortunately, it has started to become our unfortunate reality. Let's go to the caller. Hello? Area code 402-3199. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Yeah, my name is uh, Stuart, and I'm calling from uh, Omaha. Hey, what's uh, up, Stuart? How you doing, King? Appreciate you for calling in. What you got for us? Yeah, um, I I think um, uh, this this show was... uh, Put forth because of the comments that that lady said on that program the other day about how black men like. Oh yeah, we go. Yeah, we'll play that cut. But you can go ahead and jump into it. We go. We we are. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna play the cut in the next break in about ten minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, a, a lot of the you know the dysfunction, if you will, you know, between black men and black women is you know uh, 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 motivated by white supremacy in a sense. You know, I know I talk about that a lot, but. You know, if, if 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 we keep judging, you know, our relationship standards by you know the Western ideal, where most of everything is focused on what's superficial, and not what's really inside the person, we're gonna have these type of arguments. Like, say, for instance, like one time, you know, I mean, the story was about how you know black men supposedly cheat, and that's supposed to be one of the problems within you know black female and male relationships. One time it was. At this place I was working, this girl came in, and she looked like she you know, was having problems. And I asked her, I said, what's the problem? You know, and she said, well, she said, my man cheating on me. And I looked at her, and I said, you know, uh, well, let me ask you a question. I said, when you decided to get with that man, did he have other women? And she said, yeah. And then I said to her, I said, well, I guess you didn't think your time was coming then. So I mean, therein lies a big issue with that for those women who have that problem of a cheating man is stop choosing the same man. Learn, you know, what really you want and desire from, you know, a mate and seek that out in other different options. You know, not necessarily by, you know, going to a white man or nothing like that, but stick with a black man in a sense, but find those personality traits that you like, that you can form a good common union together with and last forever. You know, just give up temptation. And that even falls, you know, for black men, you know. Temptation is the, is the crux issue of it, you know. In that moment when you have to go against your word that you've given, you know, to your mate, you know, just because of, you know, something that you might like or look good to you, you know, do you give in to that temptation? So 
that's the question, you know, we got to deal with as far as the cheating aspect. You know, but when it comes to economics or, you know, how, you know, uh, the woman wants to be treated and how the man wants to be treated, we have to move away from westernized patterns of thinking of how a relationship should work. Because, you know, in, in sense, no, culturally, you know, black I'm sorry. People, I didn't, I'm sorry, I thought you were feeling sorry. Go ahead. Well, but it's culturally as black people, you know, our relationships are supposed to work as a union. So there has to be some kind of standards between both people to make that union work. It's not about the individual as in, you know, westernized thinking. So, you know, we have to look at a lot of those things if we really want to change that problem. But temptation no, it makes is a sense. Big now, what I will say, no, absolutely, what I will say, and we're going to play that cut. We're talking about, this, um, let's see, what's her, I forgot her name, the lady that made, that made the comment, Lonnie Love. Lonnie Love. So we'll play that cut here in a yeah, Lonnie Love. So we'll play that cut in a few minutes. Uh, what I will say in, in, in reference to this show, just to kind of throw this out to you, Stuart, that what I think what we'll get into is, in a sense, how her comments end up being pl- applied from a blanket level when you start talking about the gender war between, you know, black men and black women. And so it was yeah, applied from a blanket statement. You know what I mean? So we'll get That's more into it. But I'm just kind of just pointing that out. I just wanted to bring it to the table. And so... Uh, you know, like you know that that will be coming up in reference to the concept of you know who you're picking. I'll just kind of simply say because uh, that's something that, in a sense, I hear that we say to our sisters all the time. I th- there's an aspect of it that I think plays into this, in my opinion, this gender war from the standpoint that men we we do tend to say that to our sisters, and the reality is it's hard finding the right person that's going to just do right by you. It's not easy to do. I'm, I'm not trying to simplify that part of what you're saying. I'm just saying that that ends up being, you know, how do we find love? And we've done those shows, too. And that specific idea of, you know, who we choose in reference to whether they're going to be faithful or not, um, not, in my opinion, I'll say it's not specific to this show, is reference, you know, more so how the situation was applied from a blanket level. Uh, Latrice, any thoughts on what Stuart had to say before we let him go? Um, I think that it goes to an individual, not just men or women. I think that if a person is finding it difficult to find love and they keep repeating the same cycle over and over again, then they need to look at what they're, who they're attracting into their lives. It's not just women. It's not just men. Um, I think that we as humans sometimes attract, go after the same thing because that's what we're attracted to, but then we need to look within and see what's driving us to bring those types of individuals into our lives. And I do agree with you that that kind of rhetoric, it does continue the gender divide, but I do believe it's true. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm not sure I think it may be you. Somebody has something in the background. It may be not. I mean, may not, may not, not be me. intentional, but I'm definitely. Okay, let me. All right, cool. All right, Stuart, I'm going to give you one last thought on what we had to say, and I don't think that I was kind of trying to point out, I don't know if I made it clear, was quite often when we, that term, I just hear it all the time, choose better. I am not saying you're doing this, but I just definitely see it when I see ongoing back and forth. I often see us as men generally say to our sisters, choose better, or it's who you're choosing, and as almost as if to point the finger and I, again, say that's really a side of, you know, a man or woman thing, but I see it used in that manner. So I kind of heard you, in my opinion, use it that way, but I'll let you kind of speak to maybe how you meant it or do you, you know, or do you even understand what I'm saying when I say I hear it often used that way. Go ahead, King. Well, uh, there's a, a lot of different aspects to that. You know, I, I understand when people say, 
you know, it seemed like you're pointing the finger at black women solely and, you know, absolving black men of any kind of a, a, a part in that. Well, with a lot of people who say that aren't thinking from the fact that rape is not legal in society, you know. So women are the actuators of the sexual act. You know, they, they're the ones that actually choose the mates that they choose to be with based on, you know, primal instincts in a sense, if you want to go that far back. So when it comes down to having those relationships, it's grounded basically in the woman who chooses to be with. Now, true enough, you can ask a man to have these certain type of standards or whatever have you, but in a lot of instances, most men are actually playing up to what women want, you know, in a man. And, and so that's, you know, that's just what's, what's going on. So it's not really putting blame you know, on the black women. This is the knowledge in a biological and social fact. You know, if rape is not legal, then somebody's making a choice in their relationships. Now, you know, true enough, you know, when men, you know, when they uh they have to they have to stop choosing if they're choosing, you know, their wrong mates. They have to look at some of the things that they're looking, you know, that they're picking their mates by and deal with that. True enough. But the thing is is that we have to teach, you know, ourselves how to actually react and relate to one another on, on a personal and spiritual level. We've got to change our very essence of being. So what I'll say to you, we are against the break, and so, but what I'll say to you is when you say, you know, men, we have to choose, I think that that, is happening, that happens on an equal level, and it's not more right, so the right. woman in the context that, in the, I'm just saying in the right. context that you put it. I had this, this brother um, on the show in the past that says that actually men, we set the standard. I never thought about it. I'm going to go to break, and I'll try to explain it coming out of the break, uh, uh, what I'm saying in reference to that. We're going to obviously talk about the Lonnie Love cut. That's going to get played next. But I'll try to bring more of that to the context, uh, which I can keep you on for, but i got a lot of callers out there, Stuart. Thanks for your three That's cool. Hey, have, have fun. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you, King. All right. You're listening to the Men of Dialogue talk show. We are up against the break. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Oh, how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk. On the real, they were talking about some comments that Joe Button made where he said that he could understand why Kevin Hart cheated on his wife. I don't speak for the black community, but I do think that a lot of black men, they really don't know how to have true 
faithful relationships. I disagree. They think because they have money, because they have power, that they can treat women any kind of way. We are still dealing with the point of uh, slavery, and we are descendants of slavery, and because our families were broken up, we still do not have an idea of wh how to have together families because our families were broken oh, up. Oh, Lord. I disagree. First of all, I disagree with Joe Budden's comments. Doesn't matter if you're broke or rich, successful or unsuccessful. If a man wants to cheat, he's going to cheat. Doesn't matter if his boys are around or not, like Kevin Hart said. Doesn't matter if he works hard, that like Joe said. Men cheat because they want to. Men cheat to feed their egos. We sleep with different women because it makes us feel better about ourselves. You know why I stopped cheating? Because it wasn't making me feel good. You know why it wasn't making me feel good? Because you get tired of lying and hurting the one you love. But you, you know grew how, up. Exactly. But you know how I came to that conclusion? Because I started working on myself in healing my traumas. So when you start doing that, it's not as easy to hurt the ones you love. And being a faithful husband and a great father is not feeding my ego, it's feeding my soul. And that makes me feel better than any ego boost or other piece of poom poom could ever. Okay? Well, all okay. right. Who are you getting mad at? Get I just don't mad. like when people throw those narratives out there about black people. Like, like I salute to Lonnie Love, but damn, Lonnie, like, you as, as a black person, how can you just push that kind yes, of narrative? everybody cheats. It has nothing to do with black, white, Word. Asian, or anything. People cheat, like you said, to feed ego. When they grow That's up it. and they realize that they're hurting the people that they love, hopefully they smarten up and they realize it's not worth Joe it. Joe, like, oh, because men work hard. And Kevin's like, oh, because my boys went around. No, nigga, <laughs> you cheated because you wanted to cheat because you was feeding your ego. That's Correct. it. That's it. Nothing more, nothing you less. You want a hug, bro? You know how I know? How you know? Because I was a cheater. Oh, okay. How do you know, Envy? Because I, I cheated That's before, it. man. That's it. Like, yo, ain't no excuses. I'm not proud of it. All these excuses And I don't want to talk about it. That was a bad time in my life. I don't life. even know that nigga Well, no you guys are both neither. black men who cheated, so. First of all, <laughs> black men don't cheat. We were black boys who cheated. That's right. It was a different. Boy, boy, boy. That's right. Not a boy anymore, ye. That's right. We're grown-ass man. Grown-ass man. And I don't feed my ego. I feed my soul. I love my wife. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This cut from Lonnie Love kind of blew up on social media in reference to this morning's discussion question, how do we end the gender war in the black community? And we kind of previewed it with um, Stuart the Caller kind of mentioning it prior to us playing the cut. And from my perspective, again, it's the blanket narrative that, that brings up brings it up in this discussion. Latrice, I'll let you kind of respond to, you know, obviously the Lonnie Love cut itself and maybe even some of what you heard um, that was Charlemagne the God and Envy from the Breakfast Club as well as Angela Yee uh, speaking about their take on that particular cut. So any thoughts from you, Queen, on what you're hearing? For all of the callers out there, you do need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak this morning. Go ahead, Queen. I don't like blanket statements um, because – when we talk about cheating, first of all, we need to understand that monogamy is a westernized concept. From a physiological perspective, humans are not designed to be in monogamous relationships. So this is a concept that came about with marriage and wealth building and things of that nature. And so we've all conformed, for the most part, to that standard. I do agree that it's a personal choice whether you're going to squash those desires, those intrinsic desires to cheat in a relationship or whether you're going to be a stand-up and do the right thing and be honest and, and not engage in infidelity. But any person, man or woman, white, black, Asian, Latino, whatever, can has the potential to cheat. And we do our people a disservice and we continue the narrative that these media stereotypes perpetuate. So 
it, it really it's really bothersome to me when I hear people who are like Lonnie Love who now have who now has a white man in her life now look back and begin to disparage the black men that she invited into her life. Um, it's same thing with, with black men who when they begin to date white women, they begin to disparage the black women or the types of black women that they invited into their lives. All humans have the capacity for infidelity. It's what we choose to do that makes that determination. So I, I disagree with the context in which Lonnie Love um, made her comment, and that the dude, it's not even worth mentioning the ridiculousness of men should have the right to cheat because they work hard as if women don't work hard. That's just ludicrous. Um, <laughs> but I do think that those blanket statements um, harm us as a community. And so let's peel that back a little bit. Again, if you're out there on the phone line and want to get in on this morning's discussion, you do need to press 1. If you're online, the number to get in is 646 787 one six nine one. Again, that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. Press one to let us know you want to speak on this morning's discussion. So, in peeling back the way Lonnie Love did that, you know, obviously on a, in a sense a national platform, she easily threw it out that black men don't know how to have these faithful and and good relationships. And so, that's to me that's where we get into the concepts of what's being depicted and people not taking their personal experience and making a blanket statement. Like, as you just said, she did it. Um, men do it, especially, like you said, especially men who no longer date black women. Not, you know, it's, it's okay if that's what you choose to do, but I got an issue if you've been to disparage black women in general because of your own personal situation. And so, unfortunately, where here's, the, to me, an aspect of a gender war being manufactured is the fact that we will put this personal situation in the context of black women do this, black men do that, like putting it in the context as if this is a bigger issue within our own community when reality it's your personal situation for, uh, you know, as even um, the last caller, Stewart said, in the sense of maybe who you're continuing to choose or be with, and you move to this better situation, and then you apply a blanket statement. My, my bigger point is that the reason people do that is, in my opinion, because of the things that are perpetrated or the propaganda that this is an issue with your community. That's what we're shown all the time. So that's why I think we see people do this quite often. They get fed up for whatever reason or they've bought into a stereotype. They see some aspect of it be true in their own lives, and then they quickly apply a blanket statement across the board for all black men or all black women or, in, or they're generalizing. They may not be saying all, but they generally apply this just like Alani Love did. So I'm just kind of saying that but, it's the perpetration of it that makes Alani Love say that on a national TV, in my opinion. Go ahead, Queen. I can see that. I'd also like to add, and this is something that came to mind this morning when I was thinking about the show, sometimes we're so enamored with we're, finding, we're dating someone outside of our race and we put that per that we place that person on a pedestal. Perhaps that pedestal is not allowing us to see what they're really doing. While we buy into those negative stereotypes about black men or women and we go into those relationships looking for clues that they might be cheating. 
And so I think that there may actually be some things that people overlook because they're placing these people, these non-black individuals that they've brought into their lives in a romantic sense, they're placing them on this pedestal and they're broadcasting for all the world to see that I'm dating a white person and he treats me better or she treats me better than the black person, people that I used to date did. Perhaps they're overlooking what those people are actually doing and because it's a human trait. It's not a black trait. It's a human trait. Nah, makes sense. Now, as always on Mental Dialogue, I always say the truth is in the middle. So while we both agree money, love, shouldn't apply a blanket statement, I do want to talk about things that I think, and you can tell me because you're a woman, uh, in a sense from your perspective, and I'll tell you, you know, from a male's perspective. But I do think there are aspects, and again, this is not about being black, but just to talk about it is the idea of, in a sense, the way that powerful men can and often do act when it comes to relationships. Again, we both disagree with the idea of applying it to black men as if black men men are the only ones that do that. But there is an aspect when we start talking about economics of our community and, for example, we always talk about the idea of, in a sense, how we look at athletes and entertainers uh, quite often. You know, they're kind of elevated in our community due to a, a very unfortunate lack of overall wealth. So, in a sense, they're obviously on TV, they're out front, so a lot of our, in a sense, children want to grow up and be that. And so, um, as I listen to what Lonnie Love said, and while I agree with Charlemagne the God, I will say that I've always had this thought, in a sense, that if I was ever fortunate enough to have a family uh, and have children, if I had a daughter, I've always said I would recommend... And I want to hear what you think of this because, again, I think it slightly applies to this, to this cut. I, w- I would always say that I would always tell my daughter in finding or seeking out a relationship, if you would, I would recommend that she avoid, get this, athletes, entertainers, and police officers. If I could, if I could brave a magic wand over a life, now I'm probably going to have and, a daughter that goes up and marries. <laughs> Yeah, let's throw them in too. Thank you, thank you for the game. So, you know, now my love, I want my daughter to go grow up and, and, and marry a J.R. Smith or something. <laughs> 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 I'm, being, I'm being facetious. But I'm pointing, you know what I'm saying? But again, I'm pointing that out that I get the realities of it too. Again, I don't agree with Lonnie Love applying it to our race. Per se, because what we're talking about, I don't care what race that athlete, entertainer, or police officer, or, as you say, a personal trainer is. I will tell my, I'm just telling my daughter to play the percentages because the percentages are not in the favor of her if she's wanting to buy into the construct of monogamy that you that you that you've talked about. It is a social construct. I buy into it. I believe in it. Uh, or, or as you heard Charlemagne God say when. He grew up from a boy to a man, and now he believes in it, if you will. And so, again, I'm bringing that up to say there is, there is some reality to this, to, to this, in my opinion. Any thoughts on it from that perspective? Again, not applied to the race, but worth, worthy of discussion when it comes to the gender war, if you will, because these issues create this this, this, kettle, this, this, this kettle, if you will. You know what I mean? It blows up sometimes when we see these right. issues. Any thoughts, Queen? I, I, I agree with that. I think it's about power, and, and, and when you think about powerful men and powerful people and the things that they're allowed to get away with, 
it creates that paradigm where they think that it's okay that I can go out and be with multiple women and, and it's okay because I am who I am. Um, I read an article this morning where the chief legal officer for Alphabet, which is a subsidiary of Google, is a black man. He's now stepping down from that powerful position because there have been several complaints of sexual um, misconduct placed against him. Again, that's a powerful man in a powerful position where it's allowed him to acquire a tremendous amount of wealth in a position where he believed himself to be able to do things um, that were not proper and right simply because of his role in a company. So I do agree that um, power has more of um, more play in infidelity perhaps than one's race does. No, absolutely. But quite often these examples get us into the gender war or the gender battle that we'll see on social media. It, just like the Lonnie Love conversation did, right? So these examples, unfortunately, based on what's propagated a lot of times, like the example you just gave, some people might hear that example with the, the, the brother you just mentioned. And the first thought, though, subconsciously is that's what black men do all the time. You feel me? Like the fact that some people will go make that leap, and I think that leap happens due to things that are mm-hmm. perpetrated, if you will. We're going to go to another right. break, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I love Chris Rock, so for those who have never listened to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, we are not a politically correct show, so if you just be aware, there will be some, some cursing on this next cut, but it's just Chris Rock, kind of, in a sense, I'm saying making fun of this aspect, of the cheating aspect, but there's some reality that I think is still worth discussion because it delves us into this gender war, so I definitely want to hear your thoughts to what Chris Rock says after this commercial. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love can't define this. Love can define it. Can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define it. We're crippled and love would only blind us. is basically as faithful as his options. That's how faithful a man is. No more, no less. And you see all these fat Republican guys going, I would never do such a thing. This is a travesty. I'm like, nobody's trying to blow you. (laughs) Ain't no 20-year-old girls trying to blow orange hats. Nobody trying to get Newt Gingrich, son. I don't give a fuck. You ain't never gonna hit Newt Gingrich, yo, man. I wish these hoes would back up off me. I wish they would just back the fuck up off of brother. 
Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Tees, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, how do we end the gender war in the black community as we bring a little comedy from my, one of my favorite comedians, Chris Rock. And he again says, hey, men are as faithful as their options. Again, he's making a joke. It's one of his classic stand-ups. And as we've already said, that's something, in a sense, People say, and so when it's said that way, it can kind of get thrown into this gender war. I definitely see these discussions continue. Again, we both agree money love shouldn't apply it to our race. But, again, just the concept of getting it outside of race, the idea of gender war, this concept of, in a sense, how men will choose to act based on their options. That still is a fight that happens regardless of race within this gender war. So I wanted to kind of just dig a little deeper in the idea of how that happens. I think you brought up a, a great point, Latrice, when you said, hey, monogamy is a social construct. I think quite often that so that construct that, again, I agree with, I believe in, but in my opinion, when you are not aware of the fact that it's a social construct, I think it, it actually adds to the gender war because quite often People will get into, in my opinion, battles over aspects of things that are, in a sense, nature, but it's come from a lack of understanding that nature that plays a role. And then, unfortunately, when it applies to our community where there's a lot of dysfunction, it just adds to it. And then that's when you get, for example, conversations like niggas ain't shit. Like, I think it all of that leads to that type of example, these cheating examples lead to those type of blanket statements that are that that in somebody's world seems to apply, but we start putting it across the board and, and, and now we're back into the black I mean the black man and black woman going at each other. Any thoughts on in a sense, you know, kinda of how those type of things leads to a blanket statement such as niggas ain't shit. I agree. Um, and I think his his um, comment, his opening comment that a man will cheat according to his options is very valid because it doesn't matter whether how powerful you are or how poor you are. It could be about amount of of swagger, as they say, that you have and your ability to to pull different women into your life. I think that that is precisely what happens in relationships. And I would I would go further and say that a person cheats according to his options his or her options, because women cheat as well. So um, I think when you look at a lot of people who are, are co-signing what Lonnie Love said, they're coming from a place of experience. And many of these women may not have dated rich, powerful men, but just a brother around the way, and he may have cheated on her. And now her, um, her, her ideas about relationships has been colored based on her experiences not recognizing that that's the type of person that she drew into her life or those are the types of behaviors that she accepted. Um, I think that we have to, all of us, when we have these types of issues that go on in our lives, we have to first go to the mirror and have uh, that mirror therapy take place so that we can see what role we play in having that type of situation play out in our lives. No, nah, it makes a lot of sense. And something, I didn't play the rest of the cut, but the very next cut, and I think this also, this is, to me, I want to take this thing even deeper. Um, 
from the standpoint of the rest of that cut that on the Chris Rock cut, he just he goes into the next thing he goes into is how hard it is. For example, he says how hard it is for men to turn down sex. He's you know obviously making a joke about it, and then he flips it and says it's much easier for women to do so. And, and again, I'm not tr- talking about whether I agree with him. I'm just trying to lead up to something. And so he says it's easier for women to do so. And in pointing out that difference, he says the reason that it's easier for women in the cut, he says that basically as women, y'all are offered sex from men. Obviously, he puts it in a more vulgar context than I'm saying it. But y'all are offered sex from men so often that, in a sense, turning it down is is your normal. And so um, from from that aspect, and it, it's, he's saying that men, even when we're nice to you, especially when we're young, he said anytime we're being nice, we're being nice, but we're also subconsciously, I'll, I'll say it that way again, he was making it much funnier than I'm saying it, but that we're also seeking to see what we can kind of get out of that exchange quite often and especially when we're younger, that exchange is possibly the hope for sex. And so that leads me to where, again, where I want to take this thing deeper when we start talking about the gender war within our own community. Uh, I've seen another friend that I follow make this statement. I want to hear your thoughts about it. She says that in her own lives and as she watched people go back and forth in this gender battle within our community specifically, she, she said to herself, I wonder if black men value us as women strictly for who we are, strictly for our friendship, not always with the aspect of sex attached to it. And she just said in her own lives, she's not sure that a lot of men pursue relationships, friendships with black women without that in mind. And I'm, I'm, I want to hear your thoughts on it because I know when she was saying it, she was saying it from the standpoint of how does it affect how we see one another as black men and black women if that question is in fact true, you know, from us as men or is, is that how you see it as women? I'll give you my perspective on it. But, as, again, I hope I've laid it out, and I want to hear your thoughts on this sister's perspective, this queen's perspective on she's not sure if men pursue women for genuine friendships often. Any thoughts on that, Queen? Because I think it will help play a role today, but let me see what you think about that. I read a stat somewhere once that talked about the number of seconds, like every so many seconds a man thinks about sex when interacting. Well, a man thinks about sex. And so... Anyway, yeah, we ain't got to be interacting. Right. That's why I had, to, I had to roll it back. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get that part straight. Unfortunately, was, go ahead, go was, ahead, Queen. I'm sorry. And it was seconds. It wasn't minutes. It was seconds. And so if you think that a man, or let's just say every 11 seconds, thinks about sex, then what she's saying is true. Um, but I do believe that black men and black women, that men and women in general, can build solid friendships. Now, will that man perhaps think about, you know, what it might be like to experience sex with that woman? Perhaps. I'm a woman. Will that woman think about what it might be like to have sex with that person? Absolutely. Women like sex, too. So 
but I, I do think that in spite of those thoughts, those things that we have swirling around in our head that we don't want others to know, I do think that solid friendships can be built from that. Um, it may be intentional, and you may have to intentionally um, ensure that it doesn't swing into the romantic aspect if that's not what you want. But I do think it is. I think that sex is thought about, but I do think men and women are so capable of building friendships in spite of that. Now, fair enough. And here's where I again I'll tell. In a sense, I'll give my male confession in this conversation. So in seeing that sister ask that question, it really resonated with me because I do think, and I hope people have got a lot of callers out there. Y'all got to press one. If you're first time calling, you do have to press one to get on the show because I definitely want to hear, hopefully some men speak about what I'm about to say because I think it plays a huge part in this quote-unquote gender war. So, Here's, in her asking that question, I thought it was a valid question from this standpoint. I do think with the, especially as a hip-hop, you know, as a hip-hop our generation, I do think the way that we, in a sense, have been raised in this generation with entertainment that reinforces b- bad aspects of relationships and not good, right? Like we are the, you know, we, we at 46, I grew up with the snoop bitches, ain't but, you know, nothing but hoes and tricks. Not that that's how I saw sisters I really cared about, but, but again, look at me making that distinction, right, the sisters I really cared about, but other aspects, and well, there are some women, that's how I see them. And so with that type of reinforcement, I would also admit, especially in my teenage years and my younger years, that, as you just said, sex is on our brains every so often, especially when we're young, dumb, and full of calm, as you say, so, as they say sometimes. In, in that aspect of our lives, when that is our focus as young men, we don't have a lot of concern with your well-being as my sister, as you, in, in a sense. We are focused on what we can get out of the exchange. I'm admitting that from the standpoint of um, I would say that people that knew me even in high school for the most part um, – for the most part, I don't think anybody would give a, a, a response that I was a dog or I dogged sisters out of anything of that nature. But at the same time, it was definitely a high priority in me seeking out sister. You know, I saw a sister, she was fine and had a good personality. Yes, I, I, the personality kept me there, but I'm definitely trying to figure out, you know, can can I have sex with this woman? And I'm saying that that is such a driving aspect for men in general when we're young that, we, in my opinion, have to mature just as we heard, for example, a Charlemagne the God admit when he, in fact, stopped cheating. I've never necessarily been a cheater, quote-unquote, on my girlfriends, but in a sense, the aspect of us having to mature is something that I think has to be talked about and be considered in this conversation today, the gender war. See, what I, what I, and what I mean by that is a lot of the back and forth, in my opinion, unfortunately happens from things that we are doing as men before we mature in pursuing authentic, sincere relationships, whether sex is involved or not. I'm saying it's so heavy on our mind when we're young that a lot of the things that we're fighting about are happening when we're not even, in a sense, mature, in my opinion, pursuing you properly, if you will. Any thoughts on that before we go to the top of the hour break? We'll continue some of that discussion coming out of the top of the hour. 
Um, I agree with you. I think that there definitely um, has to be a certain level of maturity to really begin to see past the hormones, what the horm- your hormonal growth or whatever will allow you to see. Um, maturity has to happen, but also it's about um, it's about I guess, and this is all a part of that growth and maturity. Knowing that you're hurting someone that you love, I think that was you know Char- when Charlemagne the God said that you know I love my wife. Mm-hmm. When you love someone like that, you don't want to bring hurt upon them, and that in and of itself takes a tremendous amount of growth to be able to empathize with someone and know that the actions you take could make them immensely unhappy. So I think I definitely agree with you that there is growth that has to take place. And so often um, we engage in in romantic relationships before we are emotionally prepared to deal with the outcomes and the circumstances. I just think about my son. When he went away to college, his girlfriend called me crying one day saying that Greg was cheating on her. And I couldn't console him properly because I said that's what young men his age do. He's away at college. He's away from you. He's away from me. That's what they do. You have to make the decision whether you're going to put up with it or not. And I did tell her, it's my son and I love him, but my advice to you is to step away from him and allow him to grow up. And if the two of you come back together, great. And if not, enjoy the journey that you had together. Hey, very key aspect, I will say. People can call that right or wrong, but I'll say if when if a man allowed to grow up or a man who has grown up, I will offer will give you a completely different experience than maybe some of the repeat issues that you may be seeing from us. Again, this is just me coming from a male a man's a male standpoint that you know I can look at my form you know my life when I was younger versus now. It is definitely going to be a completely different experience that won't allow you to experience any of the battles that we keep hearing or seeing in this quote-unquote gender war. Again, if you want to get in, we've got a lot of callers out there. Press 1 if you want to speak. For the top of the hour, I'm going to play, and I'm pretty sure you've seen this in the past, but I'm going to play a, 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 a video, per se, or an audio in reference to how I think men can play a bigger role in ending the gender war. And I definitely am very interested in how, in, 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 as you listen to what I say, I'm very interested in how you see uh, what I, I consider the first domino that has to fall in order to put an end to this. So we are moving into the, in a sense, the solution part of this discussion, I hope. And, again, we are open to all perspectives, so please press 1 if you want to speak. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the host of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All I ask is that you think. Mob Deep famously said, there's a war going on outside no one is safe from. Clearly they were talking about some street issues within hip-hop. But there's an ensuing gender war that I think no one is also safe from. You see black men and black women throughout the community, whether it's on social media, we see it in written articles on TV, having this battle of whether black men are supporting women or whether black women are supporting men. So we are now having an ensuing, growing gender war that is starting to have effects on the strength of the black community and specifically the black family. We understand that systematically the black family has been under attack for a long time. 
with the start of welfare, as a lot of people refer to that as the start, in a sense, having the black man out of the home. Mass incarceration has also been a systematic attack. And so we're now living out the results of black men, generally speaking, not all black men, that are not, in a sense, there for our women. And so in order to end this gender war, we must look at those results and figure out what steps can we take in order to end the gender war. When you think of real wars that happen in real life, you go back and study them, there were steps that were taken to end those wars. But in order to end this ensuing gender war within the black community, here are the steps we must take. And it's really the first step that matters the most. I call it the domino. Once this happens, all the other dominoes will fall in place. I did a Mental Dialogue pop-up show recently where I had a brother and we were talking about this very issue. And he was making sure that I understood that there are steps that African-American men should be taking to make sure we're not ensuing this battle. And there are steps that black women should be taking. And my challenge to him was, I said, well, the first step is for us as African-American men to own our role in creating this gender war. Let me make it very clear. When I say creating it, I'm not talking about starting it. I'm not talking about the very real agenda that is focused on creating issues that keep us divided, whether it's having our sisters believing that they don't need us uh, and things of that nature. These are the things that we get to battling over. So that agenda is very real. But what happens is, is when we're battling, we never see any reconciliation because both sides are playing the blame game. So because black men are blaming women and women are blaming men, we never see any progress forward. We just see more people getting ensued and caught up in it and less uh, opportunities for us to come together. The reality is this. We have 25% of our sisters who are currently married, 33% of our African-American men that are married. These stats come from black demographics. So it's not a stat just put it out there to make us look bad. This is a reality. That I feel again started with a systematic issue, but now it's being reinforced by an agenda to ensure that we are divided. So if black men will understand that us not being there, that's a real life result. Intentional or unintentional, we started to accept that this is normal in our community for again, not all men, but for men not being there for their families whether it be thinking they can sow their wild oaks and then eventually do it and have kids by different women and things of that nature. Because that has become normalized, that is why our sisters have been able to get caught up in this agenda that says you don't need him because we haven't been there. And so the first step is us owning that we haven't been there, regardless of why. If we own that first step and start teaching the next generation that the man with the most notches is not the winner. It's the man who finds a wife, gets married, stays married, raises children. That's real wealth. If we start training our young men to take that focus versus what we're currently getting told, if we get men to take that focus, then no agenda can swoop in and tell women that they don't need us because we've been there. We've already we've already ensued and gained the trust that we have. That trust is missing. And so the first step, again, that must happen, it must be our ownership of the, the role that we fail to play. You don't have to take that as blame. It's just a reality now. 
So in order to fix it, let's start teaching the next generation. It won't be easy, but no other step will happen until that first domino falls. Welcome back to the Bits of Dialogue talk show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. This morning's discussion question, how do we end the gender war in the black community? You just heard my thoughts from a video I did a few years ago in reference to what the first step needs to be. Uh, Latrice, any thoughts on what you just heard? I, I like what I just heard, um, but I would add to that, just based on some of the comments that I've seen black women make in reference to what Lonnie Love had to say, they were agreeing with her, and they were coming from a place of experience. Now, I'm a brain science nerd, and our brains are designed to protect us. And when we've been hurt by someone, what happens the next time we encounter a similar situation is that brain trying to protect us, it brings that situation to the forefront and causes us to react even when there may not be cause for a reaction. So I think that a lot of people, not just women, a lot of people need, need therapy and counseling to deal with the level of dysfunction that they've experienced in their relationships, whether it's infidelity, whether it's whatever. There needs to be some unpacking and addressing of those issues in order to move forward in a healthy manner. When I see a black woman say, well, she's right, isn't she? What that's telling me is that you've encountered the same situation that she has, and you've not gotten those issues resolved. There is no self-awareness that my brain is triggering me to believe that every black man does this because the one or two black men that I invited into my life did that to me. We need to deal with those issues on a therapeutic level. And unfortunately in our community, that's not something that's um, taken seriously. And I think that that is one of those steps that needs to happen in order for our community to begin to have healthy, loving, lasting relationships. So what I would offer, and, and I'm not sure how clear it was coming through when I played the cut. I tried to turn the volume up. So what I would offer, Latrice, and this is in a sense what I, simply what I was trying to say with that video, is with everything you just said are more of the continued steps. They are absolutely necessary. However, the however is quite often when people are having that back and forth, what we can agree, I think we can agree, is when we're seeing people have that back and forth, quite often it's not because they've went and, in a sense, got the therapy for their own issue, right? It, it seems to be, in a sense, in my opinion, a battle of you need to take blame first, and that will be the start mm -hmm. of the help. Like, that's what I think happens when people are going back and forth. So what I try to mm -hmm. offer in that video, and, I was just, and this is what I was, you know, I want to kind of hear your thoughts on, and, you know, you don't have to agree with it, but I was saying that because that happens, I'm saying the first step based on today's reality, and I don't, is that reality is for a lot of our community, not all of our community, but in the very beginning of this show, we were talking about how, uh, too many of us now have come up under the cycle of not seeing healthy relationships, whether it's even, again, with two parents, but more often than not, in a sense, with a single parent. That alone doesn't mean the, the, the father or the mother isn't there. We both know that. We're not buying into that, to, in, you know, into that, um, uh, to that stereotype. But at the same time, we can't avoid the fact that 
the ideal situation is to come up with both masculine and feminine energy per se, raising you, you know, from that standpoint. That is typically ideal. And the reality is we know that's not a, a reality for most of us. As a hip-hop generation, I definitely know even in my small three-stop-like town that most of my friends, we didn't have our, in a sense, our fathers around on a, in a regular basis. That was a reality for us. So I say all that to say that regardless of why, regardless of the systemic attack of why, the reality is since we as men have not been there, I think that is the first acknowledgement to start a reverse of this gender war that happens within our community. Because quite often what I see us as men doing, we are very aggravated from our perspective on the, the, as we call it, the feminist agenda and the things that it pushes in our community. As men, quite often we think it hurts our relationships, our chance to be in relationships with you as as queens and sisters that we want to be with. We, we're always, in, at least amongst men, we're quite often talking about these things that are pushed, as we say, by the feminist agenda. And as I said in that video, I think those agendas are very real. But I think the catalyst was once we were not there is the only reason that you could even have sisters saying, such as such things as I don't need a man. See, you don't, I don't think you can get to a I don't need a man perspective if we had been there. Like even Lonnie Love said in her thing about that she felt like a lot of this results from what happened to us, you know, from from slavery. And I wouldn't even agree with that from the standpoint that you know we can look at the research and do the data and know that after enslavement. I could we got married more than any other community at that time. You know what I mean? Where, you know, like we 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 Absolutely. did have, yeah. So so you know so so quite often people say you know a blanket statement like a lonely love without knowing the history, if you will, right? And say, well, we've been broke up since slave since enslavement. That's not really the facts. We mm-hmm. stayed. You know, I think it was, matter of fact is uh, a black woman was more likely to be married than any other culture up through the 1960s and the same thing up to mm-hmm. 1970s for black men. So we did have family units even though these real systemic attacks happened. As a result of mm-hmm. those systemic attacks, as I said in the video, it has become normal. I think the first step is us owning the fact that it's normal because I think when I see a, a gender battle happen or I'm at a place where I try to avoid them, but when I see them happening, men, we're saying this is the feminist agenda that's leading this, and I'm saying, well, the first thing is, how did they get to push this? They could only push it if we wasn't there. Even if it wasn't our fault for why we wasn't there, and we have to, in my opinion, own that. To me, that is the first step. Or otherwise, this war will get bigger, in my opinion. Any thoughts on that, Queen? No, I agree. I think that ownership opens the opens the door to dialogue. <clears throat> Acknowledging that, as as a whole, for whatever reason, we haven't been there. But how do we change that? How do we shift this dynamic? How do we have a paradigm shift and change the way we do black love? Um, what you, I, I what you just said, we actually have to get the said. break, so let me say this real quick. What you just said is the the flip. 
you like as many, as, like you just said. You just said if I stay, I have it. And your next question was, well, how do I change the paradigm? See, we don't even get to that question because we're we're too busy pointing the finger at one another. We never ask right. the question of how to change the paradigm. That's why I think ownership is a a major major part of ending this gender war. We actually got a caller. We're gonna go to a quick break. We're gonna go to the caller and we're gonna continue this discussion. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Vista Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latricia Ross. Just heard a cut from Taylor Pace Morning from one of our sponsors, Square Business Entertainment. You heard the commercial in the first hour. Love playing their amazing music, bringing back that real R&B. Wanted to highlight them uh, as we continue this morning's discussion question. How do we end the gender war? We actually have a, a caller. I definitely want to peel back some of what we were just talking about, Latrice, but let's get to the caller that's in ho- on hold. If you're out there listening, you have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Area code 904-LAST-3948. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. All right. My name is Tiz. Uh, I was invited. Well, I, sh- I was shot this uh, this platform by Justin. And um, I'm calling from Jacksonville, Florida. 
Yeah, what you got for us, Ted? Thank you. Give us your three cents on it this morning. Appreciate you for calling in. <clears throat> well, with, with me listening, um, I'd say probably for like the last uh, 30 minutes or so, I'm going to try and touch on a few things by addressing what you said you feel that brothers need to do first um, in order to do something about this war that's been waged on brothers. And that's a war at the same time that's been waged on sisters too. And, and you won't know that unless you know your history. See, to me, the first thing that you should do is learn your history, not American history, but your history, because history repeats itself. So you can see something about this dynamic when you read the Willie Lynch letter. If people want to say that it's accurate or if it was an actual occurrence or not, because that's been debated for a very long time. A lot of times <clears throat> what we do is we go at each other's juggler with no form of idea of our own history, and we just repeat the cycle. Like I'll give you an example. My father, I have a father and I have a dad. My dad was my biological father. I, my father was the man who taught me what being a man was about, what being a husband was about. All right, now, when I was coming up as a kid, my mother was born in 58. When I was coming up as a kid, my mother used to say, you're going to be just like your no-good-ass daddy. Now, see, this was in 50. She, mind you, she was born in 58. So through the Civil Rights Movement, when we were, you know, together and unified and recognized the importance of marriage, when you started talking about the 70s back, the importance was attached to marriage, and there wasn't no independent running around like that because we knew we needed each other to survive. We knew we needed each other to survive, period. When you start getting into when the 80s came about and the, and the feminist movement started going, the crack epidemic started going, the agenda started pushing. Those that's in control of the system started pushing that you don't need no man. You know, uh, if you get pregnant, you know what I'm saying, we'll put you on Section 8. You get pregnant, we'll take, we'll take care of the man's position. And that was kind of shoved down a lot of women's throat. All kind of different, you know, tactics from then on was shoved down the throat of a lot of our sisters. Now, as far as the men running around and having sex with just about anything moving, which a lot of women like to say when they talk about men ain't shit, as far as that, if you know your history, you know where that comes from, too. Once, once both put emphasis on knowing history and recognizing what's going on, then you begin to raise the child in a different way that falls under something similar to what you had to speak on earlier. Like when you talk about a lot of brothers talking about why they did outside their race, a lot of times it's attached to culture and the mindset of those outside of this country or those that still had their culture and didn't have the family structure broken down for the sake of profit and gain. Because when we was brought over here, it was all about profit and gain. That's what slavery was. See, so a lot of these families, if you're white, if you're Indian, if you're Mexican, when you see them, you see them all in the house together. So quite naturally, I'm talking about all in the house together doing group economics. So quite naturally, their marriage rate is going to be different from ours. They caused a shift with us, broke up Black Wall Street and everything. But they never did. All these other races didn't face that. So be it, they didn't face that. When you look at the divorce rate, quite naturally it's going to be a slant. We're going to be on the worst side of the, of, of the fence. 
But see, when it comes to shows like this, you know, or brothers like you or sisters like you, that image ain't pushed in the forefront of media because ain't no money in that for those that's in control. We can't be, you know, in a position where we could say we are, we are responsible for consuming trillions and not be attacked in some type of way because there's always more money in division when it comes to this system as it pertains to our people than it is in unification. And the day that we start recognizing that, and the day that we, we, we educate ourselves as whomever the adults are, whomever the OGs are, that's teaching, <clears throat> that's teaching those that come from broken homes, because that's the main ones that, that people aim at. You know, one, it, it's gotten so bad to where if you look at the way the human resource departments and, and corporations do things, when you start talking about men to power, it don't matter if it's men to power or if it's men that's not in power. It's gotten so bad that they actually have, uh, like, like it's written within their their uh, within their rules and regulations of jobs that if you are a man in a high position, if you are a boss, you can't fraternize with anybody in the workplace. The best thing for you to do is to have a glass door where it can be looked through at all times. And this also go all the way up in the church when it comes to giving counsel. Or if it's in the if you whatever your bag is, you could be a Muslim. You need to have a glass door, or always have somebody present, preferably a woman, or somebody present whenever you with a woman, giving counsel, doing any meetings or anything like that. See, when you know all of that and you being taught all of that from both sides, women would be a lot less likely to go with brothers' though, and brothers would be a lot less likely to go at the at the sisters' throat. Because that's all it is, a whole bunch of people throwing around, you know, a bunch of feces all over the place, but not being <laughs> taught. And if you come from a broken home, then I tell people all the time, you can look at a relationship. <clears throat> you can either listen to somebody or look at a relationship and tell if they come from a broken home or not, based on the way that they communicate with each other and the way that they problem solve. If you always pointing the finger all the time, and there's no dialogue with proper communication, nine out of ten, I can show you a broken home. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we, we focus yeah, on a yeah, lot yeah, of you, things. You, yeah, you, you, you've unpacked a whole lot, King. Um, I love a lot of what you're saying because I'll tell you what I think I'm hearing. I want Latrice to kind of address you first, but I'll just say this very briefly and let her address you, is I think I'm really just hearing you saying that it's, when you understand the things that you're saying, then you're not even going to be affected by what's being propagated. Uh, or, or exactly. like you said, when you start getting into the broken home aspects, that's where Latrice's idea of getting therapy, because quite often without knowing how to function, like you said, if you have not learned how to function properly, typically you're going to need some type of therapy for your own self to, in order to not act out the dysfunction that you may have learned in your own home, even though your parent, you know, Father or mother did the best they could in a sense, you know what I mean. But you, but without that getting that therapy as she suggested, it's gonna propagate itself. So you said a whole lot, uh, Latrice. Any thoughts on what um, t- I think you said, Ted? Uh, what he's brought to the table? Yeah, Ted, that is Ted, one Ted. statement. I, oh, Ted. Okay, my bad. So what Ted had to say, and with that said, I got a, a, a comment I want to share with him and you um, after you kind of respond to him. Go ahead, Queen. Okay. Um, first, I'd like to address the, the comment about 
um, the I don't need a man coming from feminism. The history of that really comes back to when um, systemic inequalities broke up our families and moms and grandmoms were left raising the kids and they raised their daughters. You know, you hear that, that, that comment, we love our black women, love our sons, but we raise our daughters. And that was true during that period of time when um, black men couldn't be in the home because the women were in subsidized housing. And so the women left alone to raise their children, raised their daughters to be self-sustaining, self-sufficient, and that somehow, and the feminist movement has impacted how it's imploded in our community, but that morphed to I don't need a man. But it started with the housing issues, men not, black men not being allowed in the family, and then we, they, we were taught to be independent. And that was, that was prior mm-hmm. to the feminist movement becoming involved. Now, the feminist movement mm-hmm. has definitely impacted it, and we've allowed mm-hmm. it to take on a life of its own that keeps us, and is a big part of the gender war that's going on, because if I'm a dude and I hear a woman say, I don't need a man, well, cool, do you. I'm out. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely mm-hmm. not something that leads to cohesiveness and lo- black love. Um, I agree with the other aspects of what you said, though. I think it's, it's true and correct that we do need to know our own history. And if we know our own history, then I don't think we would be so quick to do the back and forth, back and forth, because understanding how society and how we, how we were brought to this country and how we've been treated since we've been in this country, how that's impacted our ability to build up our family. I think it's important to know, I just, the Moynihan Report back in, I forgot the, the time frame. but 1965. That was, right. When that was published, the black community went into this uproar. I think one of the things that we have to begin to do is begin to unpack the statistics and look at the root cause of those issues going on in our community. Um, because, our, you know, black families has only, you know, the percentage of black families has only decreased since that time frame. And I think that mm-hmm. we need to be open, honest with ourselves, the part that society has played and how we've allowed ourselves to play a part in the breakup of our families. Now, that's a strong point. Um, because you brought up the Moynihan mm-hmm. report, I'm probably not saying it correctly. Um, we're going to play, if we will, we are just a break. Um, says, if you don't mind, I want to um, keep you on, King, so I'm going to put you on hold and bring you back after the break if you're good with that. Oh, yeah, I'm good with that. Sounds good. Okay, cool. For any other callers out there, if you want to get in, you do have to press 1 and let us know. If you're on online and want to get in, 646-787-1691. Again, 646-787-1691. You will have to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. Listen to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. You're there too I'm always on the run 
Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Another cut from Square Business Entertainment, Taylor Pace's Coming Home. It's their latest cut. They give you a new hit every 30 days. We like featuring their music as they help sponsor this show. You, as an individual, can also be a part of our show or help us keep this show on the air, as I always say, by going to mentaldialogue.com and becoming a supporter if you're outside of Atlanta. If you are in the Atlanta area, become a member and also enjoy our live experience. We do once a month. Our next one is January the 17th at Urban Grind. It's a black-owned coffee shop where we do the same hard conversations on race, sex, and gender better than anyone else in the world. So please come and join us on the 17th as we are doing our tag team edition. So highly recommend, if you again, if you're in the Atlanta area, to bring a, a significant other or just a partner. We're going to do some some doubling up, we do some black history challenge, do some space, going to have a good time, and we're going to dialogue about serious issues in our community. And at the end of the day, we end up, we are a virtual neighborhood that ends up trading ideas, goods, and services amongst each other. That's the reason we get together. So this show is just an extension of that live experience. If that makes sense to you or you want to be a supporter, again, mentordialogue.com. This morning's discussion question, how do we end the gender war in the black community? Uh, Co-host Latrice Ross brought up a a point of the money money hand report. We got caller Tez still on the air with us as well. I wanted to point out something because I wanted to make this very clear when you said that the community, black community, got an uproar when the money hand report was brought out. Pretty sure it was 1965. I think I have that. You know, you can look that up. I'm pretty sure it was 1965. and I want to peel that back because very because when you started saying the community being honest about in a sense what roles we've played or whatever, and so I want to kind of highlight what happened with that report at that time from my research, just to share exactly what you mean because I agree with you a hundred percent, Latrice, but I don't know if the people know enough of the back story to understand exactly what you mean when you say we have to, you know, look at our role too. So. The money hand report comes out, and the biggest aspect of it was at that time, it was based on the report, it was discovered that 25% of black children were being born out of wedlock. The national average at that time was, I think, below 14%. And so um, when that report is put out, and this is now, uh, in a sense, the New Deal had been put in place. Uh, Welfare was, in a sense, had been going for a number of years at this point. And so the report comes out, and the initially it wasn't supposed to come out publicly from what I, from my research. It wasn't supposed to come out publicly, but anyway, it got leaked out and put out. And so when it was put out, uh, even MLK and the civil rights leaders of the time, they looked at the report and in a sense was just stating the numbers and looked at the report and says, wow, this is a racist report. That's kind of how it was received within the African-American community. What I think, again, this is from my research, 
what I understood, the guy that in a sense did it, money, he was kind of going to the administration after having done the report, at least what I researched and found was he was going to the administration to say, hey, here's something that is problematic and we need to look into is anything we're doing with these social programs adding to this happening? Is there something we're doing by having these programs in a place that are adding to this number? Because he said this number is alarming and it's going to be disastrous for the community. And so at least that's the way I, when I researched the, everything behind it. So if I, tell me if I'm wrong, Latrice, but I think that's what you mean by our mm-hmm. willingness to take a look at what, again, the report wasn't done nefariously like it was told by our community Correct. at the time. It was told Correct. and put out there or was received as such. This is a negative racist report when, in fact, the report was just kind of reporting the facts and saying, hey, can we look into what's causing this? But because it got pushed with that narrative, the actual administration decided let's just not do anything with it. Had it not been looked at that way, there may have been a look at how or how are some of these social programs being ran and how is it affecting this number increasing? Because here's another reality just to give, again, we start talking about facts. Here's another fact about social programming, of even when we say the idea of welfare, not letting the man be in the home. Here's the reality of that, too. While that is how it played out, we, the way we say it, we think that the program was put together to be intentional in putting the black man out of the home. The way it worked out is, and, it's, and it still kind of works this way, basically the program came up with these numbers. They're called, you know, in a sense, poverty levels. So a family of one with a child was considered below poverty level at a certain number, and, and the number goes up if you have more children. So if it was a second child, that number. So I'll even give some facetious numbers just to explain this very specifically. So like now, I mean, I think I even remember the numbers just from recently or whatever, because, again, these numbers still apply even in the getting weak and things that are still available. These numbers still apply. So if you are a mother of one and your income is like 14000 you will get all benefits of welfare, if you will. I think that's the number currently or it's pretty close to that. But, you know, I don't know what it was way back then. And then if the, you have a second child and it goes up to if you make under 18000 if you break if you make $1,000 above, you might get partial benefits, not all benefits. So I'm explaining these details to say that when the social program was put forward, these numbers were put in place. And so what would happen is if you had a second adult in the home bringing in income, typically that income would put you over that number. And so because the rules were one adult with children as far as receiving it, that would be, the, in a sense, the, the, the mandate to make sure there, were a, there wasn't another adult not reporting their income to, a, to be able to qualify. The reality is, and we talk about this all the time, especially back then, there were way more whites just due to population, right? There were way more whites under this program as well. And the numbers just fell that way. So I'm trying to kind of just give honest, realistic context to 
while the program definitely end up adding and hurting, I'm just giving the reality is it wasn't put in place to keep a man out. The numbers were just, this is how you qualify. Now, the difference, because this is something, this is a reality. I want to make sure I give the whole context. Now, reality, because we were often aggregated in urban areas and in, in projects and things of that nature. So, yes, in fact, when that social worker could come through the whole project, they could easily go through apartments and be like, is there a man here? Or if they find out, put them out. Whereas white America, for example, there typically wasn't in these projects. They might be in rural, the rural south. And so the chances of the social worker coming and finding your man in the house versus knocking on five doors out of the hallway and getting everybody out. Again, it's not to let anybody off the hook. It's about speaking to the realities of, yes, the program hurt us. But it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. intentional, just to throw that out there. But, again, if we're able to take an honest look, and that's the reason I'm saying this, and what reason you're saying it, Latrice, we wasn't willing to take an honest look when the report came out. And that's your point. And that's kind of what I'm saying with this gender war. If we take an honest look, it's not necessary. If we say, okay, mm-hmm. here are the facts, here are the things that are bothering us, and then you ask that question, how can we change it? We're never asking that question because we're still pushing blame. Sorry to kind of go so long on it, but I just want, I always want to I always want to give that context because I know those things are quite often said with a blanket statement, not really understanding the full context of that report and even how the social program of housing was even put forward. Any thoughts, Queen? And I want to hear Trez's thoughts after yours. No, you hit on every detail. Um, And like you said, we still often disparage statistics and facts because it doesn't fit the narrative that we want it to fit into. And I'm saying that we have to acknowledge that these statistics exist and then begin to unpack the root causes of those issues within our community. So until we are really willing to be self-aware, put that mirror on ourselves and acknowledge what we need to do and stop the blame game, because at the end of the day, black men have hurt black women, black women have hurt black men, and it's time we acknowledge that. Let's move on. How do we come back together? Because until we unify, we can't gain that economic empowerment that I've been harping on all year. Because if you have kids in this household, this household, this household, then your wealth from your job is being distributed with, amongst all of those households. If we can come back together and bring the family structure back, back in place and those kids all reside in one household and your paychecks are coming into that one household, then you're a, better able to become, you're better equipped to become economically empowered than when you have a family that's distributed um, amongst multiple households. Oh, absolutely. Marriage, hashtag marriage is wealth. Ted, we still got you on the line, King. I know I ended up saying a whole lot more, I think, than I expected, but it was just when she brought that report up, I wanted to put it in context. I think it, it, it aligns with you saying knowing history and understanding things. I just wanted to bring, in a sense, more facts to the table so that we are, in a sense, willing to do, do, do a mirror check. You know, still admit that systemic things are still an issue. Mass incarceration is the major issue, in my opinion, even more so than welfare, if you will. Um, so those things are still in existence, but how do we change it without acknowledging these facts is, my, is kind of, I guess, what I'm saying with all of this. Any thoughts from you, Chance? I'm sorry. I thought the bottom line was too. All right, I got you live, Chance. Go ahead. Okay. 
I agree with you both um, 100%. I'll address one reason that I feel like a lot of, uh, when you speak with a lot of brothers and sisters, that either are conscious or they bring up the housing. What you said is correct. However, if you bring up the housing with um, with the incarceration rate back then, well, right. since the beginning of time, down to now, and then you couple that with um, if you couple that with the marriage rate that existed mm-hmm. at that time and now, and then you throw in the mm-hmm. fact you're talking about taking the man up out of the household, we take the bigger the bigger blow than say somebody yes. that's white would take. You see what I'm saying? So Absolutely. somebody that that, that brings that up, that's why they bring it up, because we take in the bigger blow. Whatever happens in society from the things that's been put in place with this system, be it incarceration or you name it, or be it divorce, it don't matter if you're a man or a woman, you catch the bigger end of the brunt, you know, the, the bigger end of the, of the blow. You know what I'm saying? So... That's why I I threw that R in there. But it's important to know the statistics along with the history and facts so you can get to a point to even be able to share dialogue like what we're doing on, on right now. You know what I'm saying? So that, no, that's absolutely. why. No, absolutely. You know. No, no, you're good, King. Go uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't address that because of something you brought up. It was really I addressed it because she brought it up, and I just wanted to give more context. And I just think – I think – you know, it was necessary. I appreciate Again, we are, man, we're up against another break, King, so I'm going to let you go for this one. But uh, I definitely appreciate okay. your th- three cents, man. That was an amazing three cents. So please continue to be proud about us today. And you know that we're doing this every Saturday, man. I definitely would love to have you call in and give us your three cents. You were excellent today. Thanks a lot, Terrence. Absolutely. No problem. Appreciate you, King. And you too, Queen. I appreciate you too, King. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We're up against our last break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. For details to become a sponsor of Mental Dialogue, Visit Facebook at Mental Dialogue or call Montoya Smith at 404-604-9477. That's 404-604-9477. Mental Dialogue, where all I ask is that you think, that you think, that you think. Once again, if you have a product or service you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me directly via phone number, via Facebook, DM, via IG, mental underscore dialogue is the IG page. You can DM me and promote to the smartest audience in all of radio. This morning's discussion question, how do we end the gender war in the black community? Special guest co-host with me, Latrice Ross. Um, when you brought up the Monaghan report, it just made me go a whole different direction because, again, I don't think we ever put that, t- that time period in context. No, 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 no. It's beautiful. I'm glad. No, I'm glad you did it. I'm, I'm glad to even put the context. I just want – I was a, a comment. There's a comment. I, I would have I – in a sense, I wouldn't mind having Ted's thoughts on it, but it's, it's in reference back to 
where we were, and if you think about it before that, before you brought up the money, Henry Ford, again, I'm glad you did. Um, we were talking about that first step, the ownership and responsibility. I wanted to kind of, you know, kind of dig deep into that. And there was this comment that I saw on Facebook um, by this queen by the name of Ro, uh, Lori Cut, Cutno. Uh, she basically put up this comment. And I put it up on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page because, you know, just like yourself, Patrice, you know, on on your page and, and, and the Mental Dialogue page, we love challenging and forcing people to think, right? And so mm-hmm. she had put up this comment that was directly related to when, in a sense, when I was saying, in a sense, that responsibility, um, as, you, as you mentioned, what happened with housing, and we kind of all have agreed that, in a sense, feminist movement at least exasperates it again not you know i've never said it was the beginning or the start of men women thinking they didn't need men you know what i mean i but i do think mm-hmm. based on how the gender war goes now which i pointed out earlier the way the war goes now often as men we often do put the blame on the feminist movement as if it is the start so i know that's why you want to clarify that but i do think quite often we just blame it all in a sense on the feminist movement, again, a big blame game that we've all agreed is very unnecessary and is not going to help us change, in a sense, our plight here in America, if you will. But with that said, um, this sister wrote this post, and, and, and before anybody assumes that she hates men, I know enough about this queen to know that she is a huge advocate for us as black men, and people are not going to believe it when they hear this statement. But I think there's facts in this statement that goes back to that responsibility. Here's the statement. I'm going to let you respond to it before I give my thoughts. So her comment was, black U.S. males have failed to protect their own females for 400 years. Now they dislike us for behaving as unprotected females do. Your thoughts, Queen. And I can repeat it if you want. Um, I know. I got it. Um. I get what she's saying, and it's true to a certain sense, but they couldn't protect us during slavery. Um, Now, since then, um, there are instances, I mean, when, by and large, I can honestly say that I would not feel um, protected by the vast majority of black men in my community. I'm fortunate to have the kind of men in my circle where I can go about and feel completely protected by the types of men that I've chosen to surround myself with. So, but for many women, they don't have that. And oftentimes I, I'm careful about the places that I go to alone. And I've shared with you my, my incident at South Cat Mall when I was walking through the mall by myself and the guy was like, hey, shawty, you know, that, that thing. And I ignored him. And he mm-hmm. followed me all the way to my car, calling me bitches and whore, all of these things. And that was the last time. I visited that mall. So that was a black man, a group of black men who were verbally attacking me. So I can say that I don't feel protected by the vast majority of black men, so I understand completely where her statement comes from. I just would not include slavery in that. Right. So let me peel back that statement again, at least and I'm, I'm, I'm doing some assumptions here based on the, the woman I believe I know. So, so, so I, I would love to have her on and have her speak for herself. So, when it comes to this type of dialogue, her simply stating 
what she stated, and I'm going to say it again just so it is real clear for everybody. She says, black, male, black U.S. males have failed to protect their own females for 400 years. Now they dislike us for behaving as unprotected females do. So she, that statement is not devoid of the fact that we could not protect. So you, you, the statement is just saying the reality of it. Mm-hmm. When the statement is put this way, I get that people are going to receive it as, oh, this is a bitter woman pointing finger at, pointing fingers at black men. That's how the statement put out their way. Because when I put it up on Facebook, that's definitely the type of responses I was getting on the page. I'm challenging us to listen to the statement and read it just simply, literally, as is. While we couldn't, based on the realities of the enslavement trade, it doesn't change the reality that we didn't. I agree. And I do and agree I go with here. the aspect. Go ahead on, I'm sorry. Right. Right, no, no, you're good. You're good. No, no, you, you're able to jump in. You're not cutting me off. Uh, we, we, we'll just dialogue. Um, I do agree with uh, okay. I do agree with the aspect mm-hmm. that they're upset because women are now acting as women that have been unprotected. We are, but sometimes we take it too far. Like the I don't need a man movement is too far in my opinion. But I understand why. So, right. So let's, let's, let's keep pulling back this why before the show ends. Because, see, see when, so like I just said, although we couldn't, that statement is just stating the fact of the matter. I know her enough to know she's not blaming. It's just a, a factual statement. But I get why people are taking it as blame. But the reality is, although we couldn't, we didn't. One of my most important shows that I've always propped up personally and I've sent it to a lot of people as we did this show a couple of years ago, it says, do black men hate their women? And obviously it was the close question was to get people to listen, right? It's, it's marketing, right? But on that show, mm-hmm. I offered that from the day we were pulled in, on this soil during, during the enslavement period, from the day we stepped on this soil, not being able to protect, I have offered that the psychological trauma that in my opinion still permeates not necessarily all of us but it is still within the culture is when we were able to come out of enslavement and in a sense not no longer be enslaved I will offer that there is a psychological aspect that the black man specifically has been chasing in a sense our manhood from the first day we stepped on this soil because from the first day we stepped on the soil, we could no longer exhibit the manhood that we may have had back in our tribes before being pulled here. So in general, because we could not protect, I believe that there is an aspect of some of our men that have psychologically chased the manhood to the extent that we copied our oppressors. 
because we always call talk about how we take on these Western wise. We have, you know, one of, I think Stewart called in and said it, or even Ted said it. The idea of taking on these Westernized ideas. Well, it is not uncommon for when any group is oppressed that the oppressed group will often seek praise from their oppressors. And so one of the facts of the matter when we start talking about that real history of that time period, when you find out the real history that we unfortunately quite often were were even bred during the slave period, just like animals quite often, right? And so if you, in fact, were that stud type of, you could actually get praise for being able to, you know, make a bunch of babies. And so, so in a sense, there I'm was playing. a level of, uh, yes, go ahead, Queen. I, I got to tell you this. So there was someone in my, my Facebook group who dialed in, and he, he just asked the question on my Facebook page, who protects the black man? He said women want <laughs> men to protect them cool, but who protects the black man? So I don't know if he expects women to protect I the black men. I mean, I, 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 I hope not. But, but, but you put your great point that that's being asked, that it is a great point. It, it, it shows the dysfunction is what it shows to me. And I thank you for bringing it to the table because when we're sitting up here, I'm up here talking about us as men in a sense. What I would encourage is for us to take our role to understand exactly what happened to us historically and now accept the responsibility of protecting our women because that is what people culturally do around the world. So it is sad to me, and thank you for bringing that to the table, that somebody would ask that as if that's the, and I will say this, natural order, because that's not a question any other culture or tribe is asking in reference to their family relationships. If we both agree marriage is wealth and it can avoid a lot of these strifes and things that we're going through in this American experience, if we're going to just turn around and ask that question, now we're back at the very blame game that we're trying to end in this conversation, which is why I know you brought that to the table. I'm going to let you, we only got a couple of minutes, so I'll let you just kind of wrap up. I know I said it a lot, uh, but I want to, you know, get in, again, hear your final thoughts. I would say the ending of this gender war is a lot of what Ted said, realizing our history, realizing the reality, and one of the benefits to marriage is a natural defense against this gender war. But we cannot get married if we keep buying into niggas ain't shit and bitches ain't shit. We can't get there if people are buying into that, and that's not a reality for people who understand this history. Go ahead, Queen. Um, I, I agree that much of what Taz said is key in ending the gender war, and we have to begin to move beyond the back and forth world. Who's protecting me? Who's, whose fault is this? Whose fault is that? Simply acknowledging we've hurt each other. We have a troubled past simply because of how we came to be in this country, and we don't have those traditions and the type of history that others who come to this country, they come here and they thrive. We've been unable to thrive simply because of how we came to be in this country and the systemic inequities that are built into the very fabric of this country. So until we begin to push aside the blame game, acknowledge that we've hurt each other and ask the question, what do we do to move beyond the hurt so that we can come together and unify? Because only, it's only when we unify as a community of people 
that we're able to really achieve the collective economic empowerment that we really, really need to wield power in this country. Yep, and my answer to your friend that asked that question is when we take our when we step up and say, Here's what we have not done, let's protect and once we do that, then I get to come home to a beautiful black queen who protects you've been out there handling business, who I get to come home to a sister that's her protection. Her nurturing is her protection. That's the answer to his question. Play your role in our black women have historically stood by us regardless of how we've acted. That's a reality whether a lot of men want to accept it or not. It's the acknowledgement, not just the blame game, but there is the acknowledgement of what our responsibility has to be going forward. Forget how it happened. What is our responsibility going forward? Thank you, Queen. Excellent show. We'll see you all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.